everybody. It's Allison Kaskowski. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care on this Tuesday morning. I hope that wherever you are, you are having a fantastic day and you're doing something fun and positive for yourself. So as we are continuing our focus on March being National Nutrition Month, and if you've listened to my two episodes already from this month, back the beginning of the month, I gave you some tips on foods that are actually boosting as I mean, have what we call boosting effects for your metabolism. And last week, we got a little bit into supplements and we tend and I did that because we tend to discount the major nutrients that are present in our foods um, that actually help give us energy as being supplements. We tend to think of supplements being meaning what we take to Um, you know, help us lose weight, help us get over inflammation, help us, you know, give us more, you know, more, literally more energy on a daily basis. But we forget that a lot of the nutrients that we need to do that are actually present in the food that we eat. So you definitely want to go back and listen to those two at some point, if you haven't already. Um, And last week, I sort of gave you a preview or a little uh, bird's eye view of what I was going to talk about this week. And that is, I wanted to get into um, just some basic tips on how to approach reading food labels. And I got inspired to do this episode because I was at um, a pretty large grocery store a little over a week ago. And it was one of those days where I just had a lot of things that I had to get. And so, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where there were, you know, I knew there were going to be lots of, you know, lots of options. And so, I always like to go down the vitamin aisle and the aisle where the protein powders are and the protein bars and the quote unquote weight loss things are just because um, just because I want to see not just what's out there, but I want to see, you know, just how many new things are being added to the market. And I was blown away. I couldn't believe how much stuff was actually on that aisle. And there were so many items that they had to be grouped according to what they did versus alphabetized or, you know, arranged by brand or whatever, which is so typically what you see in the grocery store. Typically, if you if you sort of have a system when you go to the market or to the grocery store, um, you know, most experts will agree, myself included, that approaching the market um, on the outside first is always the way to go because that's where the freshest food is. Um, and generally speaking, the two or three aisles dead center in the grocery store are usually where your snack food, processed food, drinks, box items, things of that nature that are from the most common brand names, the household brand names that you're used to hearing from are typically found in those aisles. And if you go down the aisles, those items are usually at eye level. And most grocery stores and markets will have marketing people that will actually advise them on what the best strategy is for display. So there's a real system and a strategy behind that. That's not by accident. And so I got inspired to do to to come up with this episode because I sort of feel like the supplement industry in particular is going in the same direction is to where there are supplements, vitamins, products, everything being grouped according to the claims that that products are actually making, meaning uh, this will help lower your blood sugar. This will help reduce diabetes risk. This will help make your bones stronger. This will help you lose weight faster. This will help you. Uh, increase your metabolism and whatever else, whatever other claim that that product is making. And so I felt like I can, I definitely think that this is where the supplement industry is headed. And I know that depending on where you get the supplements that you buy, if you use any, that you probably have an idea of what you want before you walk into a store to buy it. 
So what I want to do today is give you um, four, I want you to, it's four points to keep in mind about how to decipher the information that's on a food label. Because honestly, I can remember back when I was in you know, grade school and high school, like years and years ago, and food labels, you really needed a, a magnifying glass to read them. The type was so small. And I mean, it was all you could do to read the numbers. And, you know, if you, if you want to Google what the food labels of the seventies and the eighties look like, it was actually a lot. It was like reading the small type that's in the telephone book, you know, and there's something that I'm dating myself when I say that who actually uses a phone book anymore. Right. So when we look at what food labels are now, not only are they easier to read, they're easier to read because the type is bigger. But having said that, is that there's still a lot of information there and you really have to know what it is that you're looking for and what certain things mean. And that's what I wanted to do today for you is sort of give you four things to think about as far as how to approach a food label. So that's where I'm going today. I'm going to try to give you examples in each of the points that I mentioned. And if you have any questions on this or any of this, um, it's really, really rings out to you. And I want you to reach out to me at Allison at cufitness.com. That's Allison with one L, A-L-I-S-O-N at cufitness.com. I want you to reach out to me and, and let me know what your specific questions are, because it's possible that I could have more episodes coming along this same, on this same track, because I get asked these questions regularly by so many people. Well, how do I know what's a good item to buy? And what are the items in the label that I definitely want to be looking for? And what are the ingredients that are red flags that really stand out? So there may be more coming. So if there's something that really stands out to you, if something's not clear, I want you to reach out to me. Um, and even if it is, I always love hearing from you. So just know that, that you don't have to, you know, wait until you have a question to reach out to me. Um, you know, I, I really, my, the calling on my heart really is a teacher and an educator. And so that's where I really feel called to serve on a number of different levels. And so I want you to know that that is where my intention is, as I share this information with you. So, okay. So point number one is that do not believe what is on the package. Okay. And this is mostly what I'm talking about when I mention the claims that are on the front of a package, you know, claims that might mean, you know, helping to helping you feel better, um, helping you making sure that you lose weight in a fast and efficient way, you know, making sure that making sure, you know, and, and a lot of the words that, that will be used are, are words and phrases like, you know, studies have shown according to such and such journal um, that this product gets you the best results, you know, data show, study show, survey show. Um, you know, companies these days, you know, don't really have to be regulated as far as what they put on a package. So anything that goes on a package, it's fair game, really. I mean, the FDA does not regulate what goes on a package. Okay. So just know that if something stands out to you as, wow, I didn't really know that, or wow, that seems too good to be true. I want you to assume that it probably is. Okay. Um, you know, it, in a lot of instances, a lot of the claims made on packages are designed to make you believe that the product is healthier and better for you than it actually is. Okay. You know, and I'm not saying that anything is wrong with that from a company perspective, because in a private market, uh, this is part of what companies do to try to separate their products from everyone else's. And so it's upon us as consumers to really know 
what are going to be the best options for us. So just know that if something really stands out to you, that it's probably in your best interest to look it up, to Google it, to dig in just a little bit more. Um, but manufacturers are often dishonest in how they use labels and packages. Okay. They, they can really take information and make it work more to their benefit. And like I said, that's not illegal. You know, the food labels are not regulated by the federal government. And, um, you know, most companies, you know, kind of see it as their right to be able to separate their product and their packaging from everyone else's. Um, so, you know, imagine when you're on, say, the cereal aisle in the grocery store, and there are probably 30 different kinds of cereal now, at least. Um, and I can remember growing up, there were probably just as many, if not more. And so if you're really in the market to look for something different, um, there are probably a lot of things that are going to stand out to you initially. You might look at what the package actually looks like. You might look at the color. You might look at who's on the box. You might look at, the, and you know, but probably by far what is what is what draws people to a package are the claims being made. And a lot of it has to do with really what you're in the market to look for. So, you know, just know that just because a claim is there, it's not always true. Okay. So be a detective, be a detective, challenge yourself to say, that really sounds too good to be true. I wonder where that's coming from. Okay. And what else I'm going to share with you here today may help you make that decision for you. Um, so point number two is that understand that, you know, there are three things in general that are always on a food label, okay? These are required by the federal government. Um, number one is serving size, okay? That is, if you're looking at an item on the package, the first item listed on a food label will be the serving size. What that tells you is, is how much of that item is considered a serving. So for example, if you're buying a package of Oreo cookies, for example, when I was younger, when I was a, a teenager, that was one of my favorite cookies to do. And honestly, I still love an Oreo from time to time, truth be told. But if you look at the package of Oreos, it'll say serving size first, two cookies or three cookies, depending. That's how many of that item is considered a serving. Okay. The next item always says servings per container. What that tells you is how many servings, according to that serving size, are actually in that package. And a lot of people mistake the serving size for what's actually in the package, believe it or not, especially if it's a small item. So really pay attention to that. Pay attention to what the serving size is and how many serving sizes are actually in that entire container, okay? All right, so here's the thing that you won't see on a label that I want you to be aware of, okay? And that is that a portion size from what you hear a professional talk about, like for example, with different types of foods, visuals are often used to determine portion sizes. For example, you know, one serving size of carbohydrate is a small apple. Well, the way we define that is, is a small apple is enough to fill up the palm of your hand, but it shouldn't be any bigger than that, okay? So that's considered a portion size, but it's hard to differentiate that with a serving size. So my take home point is, in this is that portion sizes are different from serving sizes. Normally, here's another thing I want you to remember. Normally, serving sizes are smaller than portion sizes, okay? Normally, serving sizes are different from portion sizes, okay? So serving sizes are actually smaller. And companies do this in mind to give you the idea 
that you're, you can actually have more of that particular item than, than typically what you need. Okay. So know that portion sizes are typically a little larger than the serving size on a package, but a company does that with the intent that you'll think that that's a much better item to purchase. Okay. So really get familiar with what your portion sizes are and what actually works for you. For, you know, there, there are some, some of you out there that have specific dietary needs that have specific calorie needs, probably need to pay attention to that more than you do the serving size. So just know that those two are not the same thing. Okay. Serving sizes are often smaller. Okay. And a, and a traditional portion size for you may actually be different than the serving size. So it's not necessarily the same thing. Okay. So those three items, you will two items you will always see on a food label, the serving size and the servings per container, but you may or may not see a portion size on there. And that's why. So don't get those two confused and think that they're the same thing. Okay. So the next tip I have for you is to really look at the ingredient list. Um, and then you've probably heard this depending on, you know, depending on what you took in health class, you know, in school or what you heard people, you know, what you were taught is that products in, an, in, an, in, a, in any product, when you look at the ingredient list, which is always at about mid-level down on the food label, okay, product ingredients are listed by quantity, okay? So the items that are listed first are the ones in that item in greatest quantity, Okay. That means the first ingredient is what the manufacturer has used, is, is in, there, in there in the greatest quantity, okay? So here's something to think about. Look at the first three ingredients, okay? That will give you an idea of the type of item that it is. So in other words, if your first three ingredients are sucrose, high fructose corn syrup, some type of wheat compound, or some other sweetener ending in OSE, you can believe that that item is probably high in sugar and it's probably highly processed. Okay. So it, I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad, but what I'm saying is, is that it may not be the best option for you to choose. So look at the first three items that will give you an idea of what the largest portion of that particular item is. Okay. So we tend to typically call processed food items and descriptions like what I just described, refined grains. Refined grains are simply, is simply basically a kind of sugar or something that's hydrogenated that, you know, actually gives the item um, a long shelf life, if you will. So you can actually keep that item for a long time before it actually goes bad is what I'm saying. Okay. So instead of of looking at those items, look for items that are considered to be whole foods as part of the ingredient, as part of the ingredients, the top three. Okay. Typically when we're buying stuff that's prepackaged or something that, you know, we want to last for, you know, that we want to have last for a while, we typically want to do six ingredients or less. Okay. We, that's usually a good rule of thumb to keep in mind. And a lot of items, unfortunately now have you know, 20, 20, 25, and 30 items. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I was just in the grocery store just a few days ago. And, and I was thinking about what I was going to talk about as far as, as recording this particular episode. And so I just did a little detective work of my own and I was looking at protein bars and, and snack foods and items that typically like granola and oatmeal and cereal choices and things that that I know that all of you look at and purchase on a regular basis, but I was looking at all the ingredients and in one item, there was 25 ingredients. I counted them and 
so many of them were items that either I'd never heard of, or they were items that ended in OSE, which told me that it was a sugar or a sweetener compound. And then there were, you know, traces of something oil and, you know, some items that ended in ATE, which basically tells me that that's a sweetener and a flavoring, uh, you know, a flavoring ingredient. So, you know, really what that told me was that that item, I wasn't fresh. B had a lot of processed things in it and C could probably stay on your shelf for several weeks. So it's probably not something that you want to buy on a regular basis. Okay. So, so you want to just learn to be a detective, spend a little time kind of perusing and researching and, and just learn to understand what some of those items actually mean. So instead look for items that have whole foods listed as the first three ingredients. Okay. Um, So you want to just try to keep that in mind if you can. And normally, like if you buy, like, say, canned tomatoes, stewed tomatoes, for example, or black beans that aren't packed in syrup or, you know, quinoa or something like that, you'll probably have maybe six ingredients total. And that tells you, for the most part, that that item is probably something good and something that has a shorter shelf life. So it's just definitely something to keep in mind. The next point that I want to mention is watch out for items that are um, misleading claims, if you will. Okay. Now I'm going to give you some examples of what I think are, are typically the ones that stand out to me the most. And a lot of these items you'll actually see on the front of a package. So remember what I was saying about don't be misled by what the package is actually saying. So, but these are some of the typical ones. And what I want to try to do is go down the list of some of these and give you an idea about what these mean, okay? So for example, if you buy something and it says light on it, all that says, all that means is that it is made and engineered to have, to either have fewer calories or fewer grams of fat, okay? And some of those items are just typically watered down a little bit. So you definitely wanna look at the label in a case like this and look and see if there are any extra sweeteners added. So look for items with OSE, Look for any type of sugar, sweetener, syrup, anything along those lines that would actually add flavor to that item. Okay, so keep in mind, if an an item is being made light, they're actually, the the manufacturer's actually taking things out to reduce the calories, but they're going to need to put something back in it most of the time to make it even taste good or make it even worthy of being something that people would want to buy. So just keep that in mind, okay? Uh, the next item, if it's an item says natural, okay, I, this cracks me up because I see natural on so many things. Natural doesn't always mean that the product is actually natural, okay? It's a, it's a buzzword that sounds good, that gets your attention, that makes you think that you're eating something healthy. It simply indicates that at one point, the company that made it, okay, worked with a natural source like you know, like some type of fruit, for example, or rice or barley or something like that. It doesn't always mean that the item's natural, okay? It's there to kind of get your attention, okay? Organic is another word that's thrown around quite a bit, okay? But if you look at an item, say a box of cereal or a box of crackers or a rice or something along those lines, and it says organic, the label doesn't really tell you if that item is actually organic or not, okay? I love the way this is thrown around with sugar, like organic sugar is supposed to be better than regular sugar. Sugar is still sugar. It's still four calories per gram. 
it's still, you know, a simple carbohydrate. It still gives you a quick blood sugar spike, if you will. It doesn't always mean that it's better for you. So organic is helpful to know, like if you're buying produce or you're buying items that have a fairly short shelf life, if you will, fresh food, for example. But when you're looking at boxed items or supplements or anything along those lines, if it says organic, it doesn't always mean that it's organic. Okay. It really doesn't even tell you if the product's healthy or not. Okay. So just keep that in mind. No added sugar. Here's another one. Some products are naturally high in sugar. The fact that they don't have added sugar doesn't make them any more healthy. In other words. Okay. Um, Sometimes in this case, if an item says it is has no added sugar, most of the time, artificial sweeteners have been added for, for taste. So you definitely want to take a look at the label, count how many ingredients, see how many have OSE, ATE, OL out on the end, okay? Um, or anything that looks like it's a syrup, you know, or something that's been added to make it taste good, okay? That's, again, that's something to get your attention. Low calorie, here's another one. Low calorie... By law, okay, the federal government says that if you put low low calorie is on an item, okay, low calorie products have to have one third fewer calories than the brand's original product. I see this a lot with snack foods. Okay, if you buy low calorie Oreo cookies to use that, for example, I think I think the way that's packaged now, I think it's either light or it might be even reduced fat, but it's the same idea. It's one third less of what the original is, okay? But here's the other thing to think about is that low calorie items may still have similar calories as another brand's original. So again, do some comparison, be a detective, look at what the label says, look at what the calories are, look at what those top three ingredients are. And usually you can find out with a lot of these claims what labels are actually telling you the truth and which items are actually good items or items that you'd want to think about buying. Low carb is the same way. Okay. Um, I will say though, that in some instances, lower carb options have been linked to having better health outcomes. It really determines, it really depends on what your specific scenario is, you know, what you're actually looking for and what's actually going to help you. But some foods that are labeled low carb are still considered to be processed. So I just want to make that clear. Okay. Um, If an item says it's made with whole grains. Okay. If just because it's made with whole grains doesn't mean that it's whole grains. Okay. It may have very little whole grains. Okay. So check the ingredients. If there's a whole grain item that's not listed in those top three, remember. Okay. Then it's probably not worth you buying. Gluten-free is something that's being thrown around quite a bit right now, okay? Now, for some people, gluten-free is a necessity. You know, if you're celiac or you lean toward that or you have that tendency, that's definitely something that you want to consider. But gluten-free doesn't always mean healthy. There's still calories in that. And a lot of gluten-free items are much higher in sugar, okay? Not to mention that they tend to be highly processed, I noticed this when I was ordering my produce box the other day, which is a local outfit that I use to get my produce and fruits most every week. And it's delivered to my house in a box once a week. And so what I've noticed in the artisan products, which is one of the last pages um, to the, on the site, every Sunday I place my order for the week. And in the artisan, I've just become increasingly more interested to look and see at what the options are. And under the artisan items, you'll see, you know, gluten-free snack foods, gluten-free, 
you know, there's at least seven or eight items listed that are gluten-free. And the gluten-free is there to get your attention, but it doesn't always mean that it's a healthy option. It just means that it doesn't contain wheat, rye, or barley in most instances, okay? Many gluten-free items are still considered processed because they have high amounts of fat or sugar or both. So that's something to keep in mind. Just because something is fruit flavored doesn't mean that it actually is a fruit, if you will, okay? A lot of processed foods have a name that refers to fruit, you know, like low-fat strawberry frozen yogurt, low-fat chocolate something. Well, that's not a fruit, but you get my meaning. Uh, low-fat peach sorbet or something like that, okay? Well, sorbet doesn't really have any fat in it to begin with, so that's a claim right then and there. But the pro- but what the point I'm trying to make is that product may not really contain any fruit. It may just have items in it to make it taste like it's, you're getting something that tastes like fruit. So again, look at the label, see what those top three ingredients are, okay? So think about when you look at the label, look at the package, look for these things that really jump out at you, okay? Um, all right, so my next tip for you real quick before, and then I have one more after this, is how do you tell what items are sugar on a food label, okay? Sugar is actually disguised by lots of different names. I think I was reading an article the other day. It's over 50 different names for sugar that are on the market now. So, so most of the time when this is the case, a manufacturer thinks that they're listing these instead of just putting sugar and they think their item actually looks better. So I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of what you might see on a food label, especially if it's one of these, those top three items. Okay. So types of sugar might be cane sugar, brown sugar, buttered sugar, um, coconut sugar, date sugar, golden sugar, confectioner sugar. That's another one that I see a lot. Organic raw sugar. Remember I mentioned it's still sugar is my point. If you see a lot of syrup names for sweeteners, golden syrup, high fructose corn syrup is a big one. Okay. Honey, egg, um, nectar is another one. Maple syrup, oat syrup. Okay. Rice syrup. Syrup is sugar is the point I'm trying to make. Okay. And then added sugars might be molasses, cane juice, lactose, corn sweetener, um, fructose, um, galactose, glucose, um, maltodextrin is another big one that I see a lot. Um, maltose. So watch for that O-S-E ending or the O-L ending or anything that looks like a syrup most of the time is a sweetener. It's an artificial sweetener. It's still sugar. Okay. That's the point I'm trying to make. So that's what I want you to remember uh, when you're looking at your labels. And then the last point that I want to mention and this is really more with respect to supplements, is when we look at a supplement, say a multivitamin, for example, or if you're looking for a specific vitamin supplement like calcium, vitamin D, iodine is a big one because iodine plays a big role in immunity. Zinc is another one. Um, When you turn over and look at the label, what you'll see are percentages, okay? You'll see what's on the left is actual ingredient and on the right are percentages. So typically when we're looking for a supplement, okay, you know, we want to look at something that's going to give us at least the majority of what we need in a day. And normally that's how the percentages are calculated. They're calculated as a percentage of what you need on a daily basis. Okay. Now, most Americans don't get at least half of what they need in terms of vitamins and minerals from the food they eat, because in general, Americans don't eat all that well. I mean, we're getting better as a society, but in general, 
there's still a need to eat things on the run that are quick, that are um, that are convenient. Um, and but I really do think that we're making a dent in the whole processed food argument. But I still think that there are a lot of people out there that this is the main way that they choose to eat. It just works for their lifestyle. So if you're looking for supplements to make sure that you get what you need from the food that you eat, take a look at those percentages. You want an item that's going to give you anywhere from 30 to 50% of what you need on a daily basis. And most good supplements, multivitamins, and the ones I just mentioned, you know, the good ones on the market are going to have that. What you want to stay away from are are supplements that have low percentages because basically what they're trying to do is either to A, get you to take more of it or B, get you to buy more of it, okay? So you want to keep that in mind. You always want to try to get the majority of what you need from the food that you're eating, okay? And again, go back and listen to last week's episode where I talk about there are six different supplements that are, you can easily, with a few tweaks in your eating, that I would be willing to bet that you could probably get more out of the food that you're eating, okay? And then a supplement should always be just that. It should be something to actually enhance and supplement what you're already doing. It should never be in place of what you're eating. So you always want to keep that in mind, okay? I'll probably do record another episode in the future just on some, some vitamin supplements and how to read those labels, but I wanted to make sure that I mentioned all of these items to you today because it really, you really can feel like you need an advanced degree to read labels and to really feel like you understand what's on there. But generally speaking, if you can't pronounce it and you don't know what it is, you probably don't need to be eating it. Okay. So stick, keep things as simple as you can, you know, pay attention to those top three items and look for a lot of these hidden things that are in there that may or may not make a lot of sense. We can really think that we're getting something good when we're really just getting something that, you know, something with a pretty label on it that isn't much better than what we're actually trying to avoid. So we want to always, always, always keep that in mind. Um, You know, I hope that all these items have been helpful for you. Uh, Please, please feel free to share this episode with a friend if you feel like they need to hear it, or if this is information that, that, you know, um, someone else can benefit from. I'm always uh, happy and willing to be able to share you know, any of any of this information with anyone out there that needs it. Uh, before I sign off, I just want to tell you again how grateful I am for all of your support of the ultimate journey of self-care. We have been on the air now, you know, a little over 18 months. We're approaching our two-year birthday, which I can hardly believe that's coming up this summer. And it's like I've told you before, when I started this whole podcasting thing, I really didn't know how it was going to go. Um, I just knew that I had a calling on my heart to share this information Um, with you as far as the the journey of self-care and what that actually means. And so I'm blown away every week by how many more people we're reaching, um, how many countries that, you know, my show is in now, and I could not do it without your support. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, for commenting, for giving me reviews, for sharing our message with anyone that you feel like needs it. You know, this is my calling on this planet is to share the gift of a fit life and the journey of self-care with 1 million lives strong. And this is just one way that I have to do it is through the radio waves. And I could not do it without your support. So thank you for that. If you are feeling inspired and want to become um, a supporter of the ultimate journey of self-care, please feel free to go to my website. That's cufitness.com, the letter C, the letter U, fitness.com and click con- and click the podcast tab rather. And there what you'll see is 
three different ways that you can you can support us. Um, these are one-time contributions, anywhere from $10 to $50, and we will send you a free gift with some swag. So please take a look at that. If you would like to support us, we would, we would welcome your support. Um, if that's not an option for you, that's totally fine. We'll still be here every week sharing with you the best of, of fitness, self-care, and more. Um, this is Allison Katzkowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. If you are not yet in my private Facebook group, please come over and join me there, Living Your Ultimate Life Through Fitness and Self-Care. We do all kinds of fun things in there. We're always, I'm always trying to share really good, relevant information with you, um, including my signature online free event, the Fit Life Masterclass, which I'll be offering again, probably sometime in April. So please come over and join me there. You can also find me on Instagram. I am Fit Style Gal, and you can find me on Twitter. I am AHCats there. So please feel free to find me in my social media channels. Um, and connect with me. I would love to know what you're doing, what's working, and how I can possibly help you. Uh, this is Allison Katzkowski with The Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. You are one step closer to living your ultimate life, so make it a good one.